You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardo Sports Center studio. Ooh, welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson, except not today. We have Jamie and Melissa from Frogs Insider from the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. That always trips me up. I always want to say Republican or something like uh, Evan does on the on the two bears feed never want to do anything that evan does like never want to do anything that between two bears does period full stop i don't even want to admit that i've listened who yeah Uh, who are those guys oh man anyways the republic of football feed from dave campbell's magazine the bible of athletics and high school football here in the state of texas Uh, we're also in the cardinal sports center studio if you need to gear up for texas tech football season or just buy some cleats. You can do it at Cardinal Sports Center live, in person, right outside the loop on Slide Road, or online, mycardinalsports.com. But today we're going to talk TCU football on the Big 12 Tour. Uh, we've already done another purple team, Kansas State, but now we have TCU. Uh, we try to open these things up with um, the head coach, but first, Jamie, Melissa, how are you guys, and who are you? <laughs> I mean, how long do you have, Rob? I mean... <laughs> yeah. Let's start at the, the, the tender age of three and then move forward from there. <laughs> I did have to tell embarrassing high school stories today at my professional development meeting. So I'm, I'm really kind of, I'm, I opened the, the trauma bag from my youth once today, and that's kind of my maximum. Um, but I am Melissa Trebosser. I, along with Jamie Plunkett, host the, the Frogs Insider podcast, as you so eloquently stated. Um, Jamie and I have been doing this together for a really long time. I think we're we're approaching a decade um, of of being podcasters and journalists. And can we curse on this podcast? Yeah, you're good. Okay, shit stirs um, <laughs> among the TCU athletics uh, populace. Um, I'm I'm West Coast based these days, but still get out for a bunch of games and and still love talking TCU. So appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, super excited to be here, Rob. Um, yeah, it's like Melissa said, we've been we've been doing this thing for about ten years now. Super excited to to be a part of Dave Campbell's for sure. Love the network, love everything that they're pulling together over there at the mothership. It's just been really cool to see, and uh, very excited to hit the ground running with another year of TCU football in the Big Twelve. Man, and who knows what the Big Twelve is going to look like in the future? Yeah. But at least for this year, you know, it's going to be a lot of new faces and some some pretty exciting football. The bigger 12, if you will. Yeah, there you go. I wonder if, if they do rename the Big 12. I, I I, don't want them to. I like that brand recognition, even though it's only since 1996. But you still have the Big 8 history and the Southwest Conference history that's tied up in the Big 12. And it's been around. Even if it's 16 to 20 teams, I still like the Big 12 name. I think we should just, like, show up the SEC and just call it that it just means more conference and just, like, really just go right, just right to it. Yeah, just the more team, the very top. Yeah, it needs a little bit more to hmm. us conference. Yeah, at some point, at some point, Brett Yormark might or have earned himself the naming rights to the conference, right? Like it's just the Daddy Yormark conference or something. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I'm we'll see. I mean, just for keeping it alive, frankly. Honestly, oh man, they'll probably do something stupid like name it the Bullsby Conference. 
he's got an award. That's good yeah, enough. He's got an award. Yeah. We gave him an award. We gave him his flowers. We good. All right. Let's get into TCU football. Um, Sonny Dykes, uh, long historic ties to not only Texas Tech, but Texas football on the cover of Dave Campbell's magazine. Uh, a lightning storm in year one at TCU. But the question is, can he keep it going? What are your thoughts on Sonny Dykes and what he's trying to build at TCU? You know, I think we talked about this on our show earlier this week about like what would constitute a successful year number two under Sonny, because obviously year one was a success. You can talk about the national championship game and how poorly that went, but the fact that TCU got there and, and beat Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl, like that's, that's as successful as you could have asked for uh, from a year one head coach. Um, I think I, I think we both kind of landed around the same spot, Melissa. Eight wins, I think, would be a, a show that you are keeping things going and that you are on the road to not only taking it and a veteran program and, and having one good season, but on the road to building a program for yourself, right? I think that's step two for Sonny now is to show, hey, I know what I can do with a veteran experienced, talented team. And now here's how I'm going to put my own one together and keep that rolling. One of the things Jamie mentioned too, when we talked about it was that it's not just about how many wins he gets, it's when and who he gets them against. And I, I think that, you know, the the bugaboo of, of Sonny coming into last season was he couldn't win in November. He couldn't win when it counted. Right. And this year he's looking at a schedule where he's going to play his last five games are at Kansas state at Texas tech on a Thursday night, which God help us all um, Baylor at home, Texas at home and at Oklahoma. So your last five games, there's a, I mean, there oh and five is, is certainly on the table. I don't think that's what happens, but, you know, if you go one and four there or, you know, even two and three, I think that, that where the losses come and how they come against is going to kind of give people the feeling going forward into the future. And so, um, you know, one of the things I mentioned on our podcast is you don't want it to be one of those things where like, man, Sonny Dykes, what a heck of a first season he had at TCU. And then no one ever talks about TCU as a competitive program. Again, um, you want to say what a launching point it was. They took a tiny step back when he lost, you know, eight guys to the NFL but now you can see the vision for the future of a TCU kind of being one of the flagship programs in the new, whatever we call it, big 12. That was a great segue there. Uh, losing You're welcome. Talent. Jamie Ta- and I are kind of professional <laughs> at that. We've we gotten so. the hang of it. It took us 10 years, yeah. but we got 10 there. years, but we're there. <laughs> but I also just heard you're about to go losing at Texas tech, Rob. And I don't know if I'm ready for that right now. No, 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 not, no. not in the mental space. No, we'll be nice today. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll banter and fight on another podcast. On, somewhere. <laughs> Let's just talk crap about between two bears. Like, can we just make yeah. that 30 minutes? Uh, just yeah, 30 minutes, just that. Uh, but you lose eight players off last year's team. Um, quarterback, running back, leading receiver, the entire inside of your offensive line. How does the okay. offense continue or build? Um, and who are they building on skill-wise uh, after losing all of that production? This is why you bring in Sonny Dykes, right? Like this is this is what he is good at. And if you look at the way that he's recruited, both out of the high school ranks and the transfer portal at the offensive skill positions, there's no reason to think while there might not be there might be a small step back that there isn't a great plan going forward. Um, but so much of this is going to fall on Chandler Morris being the guy that beat out Max Duggan a season ago in fall camp, only to get injured so early on in the first game of the season. Um, if he can be that guy, he can be healthy. He can stay on his feet. 
Uh, he's going to have offensive weapons. Um, I don't want to take all of the talking points here from Jamie, so I'll let him get the specifics on some of those. But if Chandler Morris and the offensive line that's being kind of rebuilt on the fly, um, you bring in, um, I'm going to say it right this time, I always do it back- backwards, but Willis Patrick and Colton Beery um, to kind of shore up the, the inside of that line like you talked about. If that can be a stable unit, if Chandler Morris can start all 12 games of the regular season, there's a plenty of opportunities for guys to step up. You don't have a Quentin Johnston. Maybe you have a Kendra Miller with, with uh, Trey Sanders, but there's no shortage of talent. And there are some veterans that have come in from other programs and have been able to contribute at a high level at other schools. So the offense is going to not be as efficient early and maybe not as explosive early, but it certainly should be a capable unit for Sonny Dykes in year two. It's also not going to be as heavy air raid as it was in year one under Sonny because you lose uh, Garrett Riley to Clemson uh, right after the national championship game. That happened really quickly and really quietly uh, and kind of threw TCU off off guard a little bit when, when he left to go join Dabo up in, up in South Carolina. But uh, you bring in Kendall Bryles who had – uh, you know, above average offenses at Arkansas for the last three years, but ran an offense that relied a lot on the physicality of its quarterback in KJ Jefferson to get some tough yards and short down situations and a lot of read option, a lot of throwing the ball into the flats, a little bit of airing it out downfield, but that wasn't really Jefferson's strong point as a quarterback. Uh, and so now you, you shift from a guy who was what, 6'4, 235, 240 to Chandler, who on a good day is six foot two ten, and maybe not even that and so um you know i'm really interested to see how this style of offense is executed with a quarterback who a has an injury history b is a little bit on the smaller side uh and c you're replacing like melissa said three really important pieces of your offensive line now from a skill position standpoint i think tcu is going to be okay trey sanders is fully healthy uh, he's looked really good in spring and summer workouts. Um, and by everything that he has said to this point, uh, in media availability, uh, he really strikes you as a guy that's ready to go out and remind everybody that he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, for those that don't know, he suffered a, a very horrific car accident, uh, where when medical responders got to the scene and realized who he was, they called the Alabama coaching staff and said, we have one of your players. Uh, we think he's going to make it. And so this, the severity of that ac- accident, I think, has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle the last few years. And the fact that he's here and, and suiting up and playing football is really, you know, as, as close to a miracle as you'll see. Um, and then a wide receiver, you've got Savion Williams, who it's year four for him. It's his turn, really, to kind of step up and, and step into a big role that uh, Quentin Johnston had last year. You've got some young guys that are going to really push him for a lot, of, a lot of receptions, though, and TJ Allen and Cordell Russell, who – you know, it's day one of fall camp at TCU. They both both had really good days, and that's what you expect from young, talented wide receivers. You bring in J.P. Richardson from Oklahoma State. You bring in JoJo Earl from Alabama, and all of a sudden that receiver room is looking pretty full again, which is is really nice to give Chandler uh, a lot of oppor- a lot of opportunity and a lot of options to to throw to. Um, not to mention Jared Wiley, six seven tight end, very athletic, going to be one of those kind of leak out. Uh, emergency pass guys, you know, Hey, he's, he's your, he's your security blanket. If you're Chandler Morris and, and you're, he's a, he's a great fast athletic, big target to throw to. So it's all about how the pieces come together in fall camp and, and how quickly they absorb Kendall Bryles 
you know, playbook, but uh, the pieces are there to have a successful year on offense for sure. You mentioned Kendall Bryles playbook. Is that going to be Baylor Kendall Bryles, Houston Kendall Bryles, FAU Kendall Bryles, or Arkansas Kendall Bryles? Because seemingly every stop he's made, he's had different wrinkles, and that could speak to maybe him being a good offensive coordinator and doing what he has uh, roster-wise, or maybe a growth to where he just is what he is now that he did it at Arkansas. I, I think there's definitely a little bit of evolution there. Um, a, a little bit of growth. And I think he is pretty good at kind of customizing things to the talent that he has. I, and we saw that last year with Sonny and Garrett on the sideline too. I think they ran the ball more than they wanted to with Kendra. And even with Max, you know, we, we know who Max Duggan is as a quarterback. Everybody does. They've seen him play for a long time. Uh, and he's an excellent runner. And so they leaned into that pretty hard last year. Kendra ended up with 1500 yards rushing. Max ended up with quite a few as well. And, and that's, you know, how they found success. I don't think they'll stray terribly far from that this year, just because they have similarly talented guys, Mac or Chandler's not as big and maybe not as fast top end speed as Max, but he's a good, he's a good scrambler. He can move around in the pocket. And then if you get a healthy Trey Sanders with, with a couple of these other guys in the backfield, uh, I would envision that being a pretty big part of, of TCU's offense again in 2023. Yeah, you're not going to run Chandler Morris, you know, into the into the guts of the of the line like you can at KJ Jefferson, obviously, because they are different players. But I, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I think people are excited about is Kendall Bryles' ability to kind of put square pegs in square holes and round pegs in round holes, and that's something that Sonny Dykes has been able to consistently do throughout his career as well. So, um, I, the evolution will be fun to watch. Um, again, it's a lot of new pace, pieces being put together and a lot of. Uh, some of these veteran guys even that have been around TCU now are going to be on their third offensive coordinator in the last three years. And so it's, it's kind of been a, a steep learning curve, but um, I'm kind of excited to see how that all comes together. Especially, you know, Jamie talked about Jared Wiley. That's a guy who I think is going to be um, one of the, the key difference makers for TCU on offense, because when he was given an opportunity last year, he made a ton of big plays um, and he looks even bigger and stronger now in, in year two uh, at TCU and, and with uh, Kaz Kazadi. Uh, back to the offensive line. You mentioned it earlier, but uh, lots of transfers there. Did they get older? Are they old enough? Are they experienced enough? Um, it, those are the questions kind of going around. Uh, is it going to be a strength for TCU, the offensive line this year, like it was last year? Yes, big shrug. I, it yeah. definitely won't be the same kind of strength it was last year, right? Because this year, is, and just starting with the center position, you're losing a sixth-year senior in Alana Lee who had been in Garrett Riley's offense for a couple of years because he transferred over from SMU. Uh, and he really helped translate for the rest of the offensive line what Garrett Riley and what A.J. Ricker, the offensive line coach, were expecting from them. So that was a huge asset to have in year one. You also had an all-conference, all-American left guard in Steve Avila, uh, who got drafted. You had a, another fifth-year senior in Wes Harris, who managed to stay healthy. Uh, and now you're replacing those guys with Willis Patrick, who's a good guard, but he's you know played at Jackson State last year. We'll see what, how he can translate to Power 5 football. And Colton Deary, who started 10 games at center for Maryland last year, but is only entering his sophomore season. So there's a lot, a lot less experience just from those two guys, you know, hardly any p5 experience uh and so the questions are i think reasonable to ask 
And I wonder if it's maybe an opportunity for these guys to develop over time. And we might even see the playbook change over the course of the season based on how much confidence the coaching staff has in the offensive line further down the road. Yeah, they have they said all the right things at Big 12 Media Day. You know, I think, you know, Sonny Dyke said you want to be eight to ten deep on, on the offensive line and we're close. Um, the the problem is I don't know if the if the top end is this top end is a year ago. Um, TCU started the same five guys every single game a season ago. And that, you know, we, we all know following college football that, that it takes a little bit of luck for that to happen because injuries are so common along the offensive line. So um, consistency is, is going to be the key. If those guys can play together, if they can practice together healthy throughout fall camp, the talent on paper looks like it's there. Um, you know, Willis, Willis Patrick is one of the largest human beings that, that has been on that campus right now. It's a big dude. Um, and so uh, that, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make or break a lot of the season offensively. Um, but it, it certainly looks like they should at least be competitive in that regard and, and not, not slow down TC's offensive output. Um, I don't know how much, how much difference they can make positively, but they shouldn't make things too much worse. Right, let's stay in the trenches and flip to the defensive side of the football. Um, any standouts or um, returners, new, new faces on that defensive line that we should be worried about? I mean, the name to know is Dominic Williams. Yeah. Uh, he started every game last year at nose tackle for TCU. He was 17 years old until the Kansas State game. So uh, he's a young dude. He came in from day one as a true freshman and earned the nose tackle job, and he's going to be that again this year. Uh, around him, honestly, this is probably the the lightest room on the team. It's the one that has the most question marks outside of the offensive line because you also lost both of your starting defensive ends off of last year's team. So uh, I would look for Caleb Fox to probably get a lot of playing time. Um, and then a couple more freshmen, Marcus Deal, another nose tackle from DFW area is probably going to see a lot of run. And Zach Chapman, a defensive end uh, is probably going to see a lot of run as, as well. He came into camp this, this fall and he's already six, five two sixty. So he's a big dude. Um, and, you know, outside of him, I would say Paul Oyewale and Michael Abukun Okeode are probably the other two guys that uh, you're going to hear a lot of uh, along the defensive line. I let Jamie go first on that one because I didn't want to have to say those last two last names myself. <laughs> pronunciation there. That yeah, he's a professional. I, I spent all summer just saying them to myself in the mirror. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm most interested to see where Paul uh, Joe Gillespie – uh, generate the pass rush from because there's so much inexperience and so many unknowns on this defensive front. Um, you know, they struggled kind of early on um, in, in getting sacks, getting to the quarterback, but kind of came alive. I think it was during the Texas Tech game where all of a sudden the dam kind of opened and, and started seeing guys in the backfield more a year ago. Um, I, I think we'll see some creative blitzes. I, I think we're all kind of hoping that that this is the year um, that that they kind of allow the linebackers to, because there is some depth at linebacker position. There's a lot of as, uh, athleticism there. Maybe that Marcel Brooks can get back to to kind of be in the pin your ears back and go get the quarterback guy that, that he was at LSU. Um, and, and maybe you have to get creative in where that pass rush comes from because that defensive line is going to be a work in progress for a good long while. Yeah, Texas Tech's offensive line fixed a lot of pass rushing last year. Yeah, yeah thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. It's nice. Generous. Um, especially in that second half with Tyler Shuck coming into the game. That's tough. That's tough, That's buddy. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now I'm just having flashbacks. Uh, linebackers, the rest of the front seven, uh, you return some DBs, but you also go out and get some DBs in the transfer portal. Um, how does the back of that defense look for TCU? That secondary – 
has a chance to be the best in the Big 12. I don't think that's an overstatement. I don't think that's hyperbolic whatsoever. Um, when you look at all of the – you lose – obviously, you lose the Thorpe winner, right? So the Thorpe Award winner. So you lose Travis Hodges Tomlinson. That's a huge loss. But Josh Newton comes back. Bud Clark comes back. Uh, Mark Perry comes back. Um, you, you, you had so much depth in that secondary that you were able to move players to linebacker and Namdi Obiezar and, and um, you know, so, so there's some flexibility. There's a ton of experience. There's depth. I mean, you can go too deep with guys that have played significant snaps at TCU at their position. And then you go to the Juco ranks to kind of fill in the cornerback position as you get, and you get a transfer. So Avery Helm out of Florida is a big rangy corner. I know Jamie loves to talk about how much size we have now on, on the outside, how much we've been, recruiting recruiting those you know we're, we're used to a, a world where gary patterson only signed cornerbacks that were below six foot so all of a sudden now we're going after these six two six three and six four guys um there's a lot to be excited about because they can do so many different things well so i mean you've got coverage you've got ability to kind of to blitz you've got size and you have a ton of speed plus you have the electricity i mean bug clark we, we saw him with that pick six that he had in the fiesta bowl um, he's one of those guys that he is the heartbeat of that team, um, not just defensively, but you can tell the offensive guys really feed off of him as well. So having that experience, having that electricity and that playmaking on the back end makes us such a dangerous unit and one of one that's going to be not only one of the better ones in the country, but one of the more fun ones to watch as well. Yeah, I think Melissa nailed it. I mean, this is probably my favorite unit on the team right now. A bunch of really intelligent guys, a lot of leadership in this unit. Uh, and I think that, when you are developing a defensive line like TCU is right now this season with a lot of youth, a lot of talent, but a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience, nothing helps that more than a veteran secondary who you can trust a little bit longer in coverage, trust to do a little bit more creative stuff uh, to allow that defensive line some time to grow up and, and learn. Uh, and, and eventually, you know, when you start playing Texas Tech, get to the quarterback a little bit more. I think the offensive line may be a little bit better for second pick too, but uh, I will. Can't be worse, so. uh, I am looking forward to that Thursday night game. Yeah, it can't be worse. Well, we said that a lot about the defense at Texas Tech over the years, and it always seemed True. to be. Look, the there's there's no such thing. There's no such thing as rock bottom, man. There's yeah. no such thing. It can always get worse. Football. Uh, speaking of looking at the schedule, you mentioned the last five games, uh, the first seven here. Uh, but mostly I wanted to talk about the non-con uh, rematch with future Big 12 foe, Colorado. Uh, you start at Colorado? or in, uh, Colorado starts in Fort Worth. In yeah. Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the non-con. Looking at the non-con, do you think it's a, a good non-con or would you like to see a little bit of a different approach? I think it's fine. I, I think it's kind of the standard approach right now in college football. You have a P5 opponent that you can kind of consider a a benchmark kind of game, see where you are. You have an FCS opponent that you pay to come in and kick the crap out of and help fund their program. Uh, And then in TCU's case, they've got a G5 rival that's 40 miles down the road that that they're going to play and probably pull their pants down and and laugh at and point at and, uh, you know, just kind of disgrace SMU as everyone loves to do. But Wow. I, you know, I, I have no hard feelings towards the Mustangs, just an, annoyed by them consistently throughout the years. But, Fair. Um, you know, I think it's fine. I would like to see a little bit of a better P5 program on the, on the non-con schedule. But at the same time, this game was scheduled, what, like six, seven years ago uh, when Colorado, I think, had just recently made the Pac-12 championship. So 
you know, you, you project these things out so far now. You schedule things these things so far in advance that it's really tough unless you're you're hitting an Ohio State or a Bama or somebody to know what the state of that program is even going to be like when you play them. So I'm fine with it. I would like to see more competition in the non-con though, for sure. I, I mean, I'm at, at the stage of my life now where I want to play schools that, like in home and homes that I want to go visit. And so to me, I don't care if Colorado is good or not. Like going to Boulder last year was awesome. Like what a great place to hang out with friends and watch a football game. Um, I'm, we've got Stanford for now on the, the non-conference schedule next year as the opening weekend. Like I'm fired up about that because that means people come out in my direction, um, you know, playing in um, uh, North Carolina against UNC down the line. Like that, that's kind of what I like. I, yeah. I mean, maybe if you're one of those group of five teams, you need those big marquee matchups, or if you have an opportunity to play one of those one-offs, that's going to infuse your program with money or get you some national attention. But TC is in a really good spot right now. You don't have to take a big swing. I don't think if you're the Horn Frogs, I think as long as you're playing at least one power five team a year in the non-conference, you're playing nine conference games. The Big 12 is going to be pretty balanced for the next few years. You're not going to have those kind of heavy hitters maybe on top, but you're going to be playing really good teams up and down your schedule. I don't know that you need to go out and try too hard if, if you're in TCU's position. Um, if you're a team that's kind of trying to be on the rise and and get yourself some notoriety, like I could see why maybe a Texas Tech or, you know, Baylor trying to kind of get back in that spotlight. But TCU's coming into this season in a really good spot. Their job is just don't screw it up, right? Like you just can't get embarrassed on national television again in back-to-back games. So right. uh, there's there's a 20-point uh, – TCU's favored by 20 last I saw against Colorado, which feels high. But, like, let's come in and big noon Saturday, play a team that's got a ton of eyeballs on it in, in Colorado. You're going to have attention anyways, and hopefully – get a get a win that you're not sweating too much through. But you know, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm fine with the Colorado game, obviously. And I, I do think TCU is going to handle that game pretty easily. But at the, at the same time, right? Like tech tech gets to get get hyped for Oregon to come to town this year. Yeah. Right. And like that's going to be the Oregon to me isn't that much different than Colorado. I mean, they're a better program right now, but it's not, I don't know that, like, I'm thinking like blue blood, Alabama, Georgia. I don't necessarily want to play one of those for a while. Well, I mean, every time TCU got to play one of those, they eventually moved the home and home to Jerry World. So we didn't even get that game at home anyways, right? That happened with LSU and Ohio State. So, yeah, but whatever. Um, All right. So we are a gambling podcast. So I do have one gambling question for you. We might have uh, multiple gambling questions depending on how we go from (laughs) here. But uh, TCU at seven and a half, the total there. You said eight wins would signify a successful season earlier, so you're right there on the cusp. Do they get to that eight wins, or would you take under that seven and a half, seven and a half win total heading into the season? I'd take the over. Um, I think if you look at the first seven games on the calendar, it's not unreasonable to think that TCU would be 6-1 and one or 7-0 and oh going into that game against Kansas State up in Manhattan. Uh, and so, I mean, right there, I mean, because it's, I don't have it up in front of me, but it's like, all right, you've got Colorado, Colorado, yeah. Nichols, and SMU. That's more than likely yeah. 3-0. and You go to Houston, so that'll be a fun challenge, welcoming them to the Big 12, but I think TCU probably wins that game. Uh, you've got Iowa West State, Virginia West Virginia, home. right? I mean, so some of the, some of the lower-end teams in the conference coming up then, and then all of a sudden, you've got some really good momentum going, too. You've probably figured some things out. Some roles have been settled up. Um, you know, as long as people stay healthy, 
I really do think this will be at least an eight-win TCU team this year. I don't think it's unreasonable. Obviously, the back half of the schedule is really tough. You have all of your big in-state rivals coming down late, um, but you also get a pretty good bye week there at the end of October to maybe rest up and get some guys healed up and right before that final stretch. So I think the the schedule plays out pretty favorably for TCU this year, especially when you consider the position groups they're trying to grow up, the new coach coming in, when the bye week happens, all of that stuff seems to be breaking in TCU's favor this year. Yeah, I mean, that at Iowa State game would scare me a little bit more if um, their quarterback was probably not going to be in jail um, and they weren't going to have to start a true freshman. I, I might be just because Ames has not gone well for, for TCU historically, but uh, there's a lot of turmoil going around that program before the gambling scandal. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm not as worried about that one. You know, BYU is a fun rivalry game, but you get them at home. You have to go to Houston, like Jamie said, that that to me could be not a trap game, but I think Houston's going to be super fired up for that one. Um, so it's going to be tough. But, yeah, I mean, there, there aren't a whole lot of – there's nobody that is going to be overlooking in the easier part of their schedule. And we know down that, that five-game stretch, they'll be amped up for every single one of those last five. So um, I, I think the over is a perfectly reasonable thing. Now they may finish at eight wins, but, um, but I, I, think, I think clearing eight is, is, a, is a definitely a, a clearable hurdle for TCU um, in year 270 dykes. You mentioned Hunter Deckers in jail. I just I, I want to get you guys' opinion. Uh, we talk about it all the time uh, in in different respects here on the podcast, the gambling gauchos. We do try to find a gambling slant in some things, but if a TCU player was on Bovada, because you can't bet on DraftKings or FanDuel or one of those services in Texas, but if they were caught on Bovada, betting college football but not TCU outside the Big 12, let's say even, um, should there be repercussions or is it only illegal if you bet on your own team? I, I know what the rules are, but what are your thoughts on that? I I don't care. I don't care what they do. I, you know, I student athletes, this, I'm about to get on soapbox. Student athletes have been underpaid for ever. And they are still in the era of NIL pretty underpaid for the amount of value that they provide their universities. So if they're able by, you know, throwing a hundred bucks on the under on Iowa state's win total this year. Uh, yeah, go for it. I don't care. I do not care. Now, if you're collaborating with buddies at other universities to say, Hey, we're going to, you know, pick, pick the other team to cover or pick, pick us to not cover today or whatever, then yeah, maybe there's some problem. There's a little bit of collusion and there's an issue there, but if they're just throwing down five to 10 bucks on another school to win a game, I do not care about that at all. Here's my my issue with gambling is that college football, professional football, all the people that that cover the sport are willing to get in bed with gambling money, right? That you've got them sponsoring them, they're playing their commercials during the games. So how can you expect eighteen? And then someone who's a high school teacher, so I'm familiar with the the lack of uh, discernment sometimes in this age range. But how can you expect eighteen to twenty two year olds? How can you sit there and say? We will take this money. We will partner with these organizations. We will be sponsored by DraftKings. We will do all these things, but you don't get to do it. We're telling you it's completely fine because we're cashing the checks. But if you start to do it now, all of a sudden it's wrong. Um, you can't, you can't, you know, have, have in one hand that this is an acceptable thing. And then the other hand say, but not for you. It, it's, it's completely patently unfair to do this to, to the young people is to, to speak out of both sides of your mouth. Um, and then also, how can you expect them to make good decisions within gambling? Like Jamie, you said five to 10 bucks, a hundred bucks. The problem is, is that, and I don't sports gamble for this reason, 
five to ten bucks doesn't last very long. Um, and I think that the in the the in it does if you win. Yeah, but I mean, but 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 if you win, those five to ten dollar bets start to become hundred to two hundred dollar bets because you get a little bit full of yourself, a little bit cocky, I'd imagine. But um, I, I think you know, obviously, we're not here to to police how people spend their money. But I think in the era of NIL and gambling, without giving young student athletes proper education into how to you know make sure that they're protecting themselves and they have the resources they need um it, it is this is just the tip of the iceberg as far as what this disaster is going to be um i think if you're going to take the money it's ridiculous to allow students to um student athletes to, to bet on sports i don't want them betting on their own teams because that obviously and really the only reason we care about that is because it hurts gambling not because of the integrity of the game. It's just because it, it shifts the lines and it makes it unfair and the wrong people win money. That's really all it comes down to. But uh, if you're going to be in bed with gambling money, don't be upset when your players are gambling um, and, and don't be shocked when scandals like this start to break more and more regularly. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about it, Rob? Uh, I, 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 um, <laughs> I think college athletes should be able to do whatever they want to do. Uh, generally speaking, uh, and gambling is no different than that. I will say when it's college football today brought to you by DraftKings, uh, yeah. and the analysts are saying, you know, this is pa- patently false that uh, they shouldn't be able to do this. If you're not betting on your own team, I don't care what you're betting on. Um, if I was a college athlete or if I had friends that were college athletes, I would say, hey, let's bet on the NFL. Let's bet on the NBA. Let's stay out of college football just because I, I'm a, I personally am a rule follower. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble. Um, if weed was legal in Texas, I probably would smoke more weed. Uh, that's just like the thing. Like if it was, if it was readily available, right? Uh, but it's illegal here, so I stay away. <clears throat> At least that's what you're telling the authorities in this yeah, podcast. Absolutely. I, I don't have any on me right now. Um, but I will say this, it, with Hunter Deckers, he had 360 bets for $2,700. That's an average of $7 a bet. That guy was not out trying to change his life betting on Iowa State events. Out of the 360 bets, there were 20 bets that were on Iowa State events. One was on Iowa State football when he was a redshirt freshman and didn't play in the game. So, like... There has to be levels to it. It can't be a blanket punishment. Um, now, if a guy's Pete Rose in it and has a whole folder of bets he did on his own team and, and the coach is doing it as well, that's a different thing, but there has to be levels. Now, the Iowa basketball player who bet like $36,000, maybe he should be in trouble. <laughs> maybe that guy... And he was doing an alias. He knew he was wrong. Maybe that guy's in trouble. But otherwise, Hunter Deckers, I, I, I don't really see it. Now, here's, here's my question about this Hunter Deckers. And again, like, I have not had a chance to really dig into this story today. But, like, his parents were, like, disguising him or something so that he could make these bets. I saw something like that. Like, I think Lord that was, have mercy. I think that was another Iowa player who he oh said his mom's name. Yeah. I, I just, this and- is. Decker's also we should note that the Decker's issue is a little bit different just because he has some charges uh around tampering that have been yes. filed against him as well now so he he realized that he he messed up and then tried to backtrack cover his tracks a little bit and that right. I think is more than anything what he's getting in trouble for right now but again I I agree with you Rob I think that if these kids are 
there's so much on these kids. There's so many expectations and there's so many things around them that they see everyone else making money on uh, that all of a sudden they're getting hand slapped and saying, no, you can't do that though. You're not, you're not allowed to, uh, the sport wouldn't exist without them. Uh, the gambling scene would not exist without these guys yeah. uh, and gals. So uh, I say, go for it. I want to ask you guys one more question. Um, realignment is everywhere, but from TCU's perspective, um, would you rather go bigger as a conference, 14, 16 teams, or keep it at 12? Um, I, I kind of flip-flop on this, depending on who the 16 would be. But let's say it's the truck stop conference that almost got built last year with the four-corner schools. Is that good for TCU, or would you prefer a smaller conference where you can kind of control what's happening and you know you're going to be near the top of it? I mean, I'm really going to miss – the 10 team conference when it comes to the, the basketball round Robin. Um, I loved playing everybody every year. I love knowing we were going to get to play everybody every year, especially in basketball, those home and homes are, it's so much fun to really see those rivalries development. And, and on a larger scale, I mean, I hate that realignment is ruining regional rivalries. That's what makes the sport so great. I think that's why we all get so invested in it. And as that starts to go away, not necessarily in, in whatever the Big 12 is going to be, but some of these other conferences, um, I think it, it long term could really be a negative for college football as a whole. Um, if I'm looking at the like based on what is happening today and what's going forward, if we do get the Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, whatever, right? I think you have to, if you can go get three power five schools to get to 16, I think you do it. I think it makes the most sense long-term. You're trying to look at not just the health of the conference today, but the health of the conference, you know, in 2030 or going forward. And if you get those three schools and add that to Colorado and you look at what the Big Ten and the SEC are doing and they're going to cannibalize the rest of the Pac-12 and the ACC ultimately, now you're looking at putting yourself in, in a power position alongside those other two conferences where maybe you're not, at their level in their eyes, but you're not that far behind. And so you're going to be set going forward. So um, look, it's, they're going to keep expanding. They're going to keep eating other conferences alive. They're going to take the cash grabs while they can. I mean, that's just the way that the things are signed up now. So if you're, if you're already, if it's eat or be eaten, then Brett Yormark is going to keep eating. I think that's what we've seen. And, and I think that's what you have to do at this spot is just grow, grow, grow until everything settles down for 10 years and changes again. All right, I know this is live right now, right? Yes. When does this post like on on Spotify and stuff? You throw it up early in the morning? Thursday morning, yes. Okay. So uh, it could change by then. Yeah, it could change by then. That's a good point. Uh, it's going to be 16. It's going to be 16. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are coming over. Uh, that As soon as the Big Ten threw their hat back in the ring, that's what was going to happen. Um, and so I'm fine with that. I personally love getting to play Utah again. I love the former Mountain West rivalry that we had with, with Utah and with BYU. So I'm very excited because if you think about the Pac-12 the last few years versus the Mountain West that had TCU, Utah, and BYU in it that were busting the BCS every year, I mean, those are relatively comparable conferences when you're talking about a pretty stacked top end and then some swill down near the bottom of the conference. And so... Uh, you know, you're adding three very good markets, three very good athletics departments to the conference. Um, you create a little bit more parity, probably from a recruiting standpoint, now that you're going to allow the Arizona schools to dip into Texas a little bit more frequently, probably. Um, I could see that being a really big 
competitive frustration for schools like Tech and TCU down the road when you, when you're you're having to fight off Arizona a little bit more. Um, but I think it's good for the conference to get to 16. I think that uh, in this era, modern era of realignment, if you're not growing, you're dying. And uh, we're about to see that, I think, with the ACC as well. Uh, we're obviously seeing the very end of the Pac-12 conference, as anybody knows it. And I'm glad that the Big 12 is in a position of power now versus you know, 18, 20 months ago where we thought, oh my gosh, are Tech and TCU going to be in the Pac-12? Um, and instead, Brett Yormark came in and worked a couple miracles, and, and here we are. So you you foresee a power three? I see, I see a power three. Oh, two and a half, right? I don't yeah. think that I don't think that the Big Ten and SEC will ever cede uh, power to another conference ever again, unless something wild happens. But uh, I do th- I do think that eventually we're headed towards uh, maybe sixty total teams playing for all of the major sport championships together. Which like kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, is a school yeah. that crawled their way and, and earned their way out of being one of those outside looking in teams, like the fact that, that there may not be those opportunities going forward. And, and we've seen what joining a power conference, if you invest, if you're willing to invest in your, in your athletics, that investment has not just changed TCU athletics, but it changed TCU as a whole. And the campus looks completely different than when I was an undergrad, probably because that was in like the 1800s. But and then, you know, they burned it. Baylor burned it down. But the campus looks completely different. The the buildings are different. They've been able to invest in building a medical school. I mean, it has completely changed the outlook of TCU as a university, not just TCU's football team. And um, the fact that that it's going to be very much the haves and the have nots for the foreseeable future, I, I think is. I mean, I'm glad we're on this side of things, but I, ultimately, like, it's it's just it's bad for the sport, and, and it's it's making it – it feels so much more professional than it does collegiate. And I, I maybe I'm old and, and grumpy, but I'm, I'm going to kind of miss miss the the upsets and the opportunities for, for the underdog to kind of rise up and do something great. Like, a, that's just not going to happen as much anymore, and that's – change or die, so this well, is what it is, but it's, it's, it's a little bit of a bummer. There will still be underdogs, right? Rutgers isn't going anywhere, so maybe they'll rise up someday. That sneaky ten-win Vanderbilt season that's right. coming because they so. fattened up on on playing uh, mm-hmm. uh, whatever scraps of the other conferences. Yeah, you know, if if Rutgers goes on a run and beats you know Oregon, Washington, USC, and Utah all in this or uh, UCLA all in the same year, and they're you know West Coast division of the Big Ten, then who knows what can happen? But I agree. I think there's a little bit of a disappointment there when you're not going to be able to see like. South Florida rise up and have a really good season or New Mexico, if they ever did have, have a good season. Right. But, um, you know, at the same time, uh, like you said, Melissa, I'm glad that TCU's finally for the first time in yeah. program history on the inside looking out versus having their hands pressed up against the glass, trying to figure out a way to break in. So, uh, you know, change, change is hard, but as we've seen over the last 25, 30 years of college football, people adjust pretty quickly and, and things just tend to work themselves out. And for at least the first two or three playoffs here in the expanded playoff, the language says there's six conferences getting in. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see what those six conferences are when we get there. But congratulations, Boise State. Yeah. yeah. From the Pac-12. Right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, tell the people where they can find you, whether it's on uh, X, Twitter, Instagram, uh, or Patreon. Yeah, so you can find me at the Coach Melissa on um, X, 
I guess. Speaking of change is hard, right? Um, Instagram is Melissa Treeb, T-R-I-E-B, um, and the Frogs Insider on Patreon.com. Uh, Twitter, I will never call it X. Uh, Instagram threads, all of the above. I'm at Frog Preacher. Uh, and then, yeah, follow the Frogs Insider YouTube channel as well. And check us out on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Very excited, yeah, and- again, to be part of the Dave Campbell's Network. Yeah. Frogs Insider on Instagram as well. That too. We're everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. We have to be, right? That's true. All right. Thanks for joining us. That was the TCU edition of the Big 12 Tour here on the Gambling Gauchos. Uh, we'll have some kind of mailbag uh, eventually this week, uh, but I think we'll end the episode here. Maybe. We might be back with some ad reads. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, this first edition here with the TCU folks from Frogs Insider is done now. Thanks for joining us. Tell tell Kyle not to be scared next time. I'll tell I'll be sure to tell Kyle. <laughs> we'll come back with a vengeance, I'm sure. He's probably Thanks, working Kyle. up his uh stats to put on Twitter about the Pac-12 tomorrow. Very excited. Very, Very excited, excited for that. All right. See you guys. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Uh all right, we're back uh with Chuck. Chuck's gonna do the mailbag tonight. Kyle uh still gone. Uh, Kyle will be back. Kyle uh, had some serious uh, kidney issues today. They rushed him into the ER and uh, went through a kidney transplant. He'll be back Sunday. He'll be back Sunday. Yeah. I actually <laughs> don't know what he's doing. He, he's fine. He did not have a medical emergency. Uh, but you know what is better than fine? Rojinho Barbecue. Rojinho Barbecue open now Tuesday through Saturday for barbecue goodness. Uh, but the market opens seven days a week. If you just want to go down and eat food Tuesday through Saturday, that is 11 a.m. through 8 p.m. Not just sell out, but through 8 p.m. They'll have food for you. And you can also shop in the market there seven days a week. All right, we're going to get to the BHW Law Firm mailbag here. Uh, with Chuck. Chuck's going to ask the questions. I'm going to do the answering this time, see how Kyle feels. Uh, BHW Law Firm, one of the top law firms in Fort Worth, but they service people all the way across the state of Texas. Criminal defense attorneys, personal injury lawyers, family law, they do it all. They hope you never have to call them, but if you do, you can find more about them on bhwlawfirm.com. Okay. Two down. Two down, Chuck. Now we can get into the mailbag. How are you doing today, Chuck? Man, I'm making it. The kids are asleep. It's quiet in the house. Nice. Can't complain. Nice little Wednesday night. Uh, okay, so Big Hint says just here for Swamp. Okay. <laughs> Jesus better not be here. <laughs> Swamp's going to choke. No, he's not going to choke. He's going to do great. Also have a medical emergency. Yeah, no, no medical emergencies. Uh, they also asked why you have a, tw- uh, a twister board hung on the wall. It's not a twister. I'm in my kid's playroom. I like, do love the, I love the polka dots. It's just, it's just polka dots. They stick on the wall. They're great. They're reasonably affordable, and they really, you know, jazz things up. Oh, those look like paint. They're stick-ons? No, yeah, dude. They just stick on. Oh, nice. It's like yeah. a fathead. It really, that's exactly what it is. We've got them in the boys' rooms, like... Nice. My my mother in law, like I do the assembly. She just creates it. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the mailbag. What you got? 
All right. Uh, what is the biggest sports comeback you've ever seen in person? In person? Huh. You know, I read these questions earlier to try to prepare, but um, I think it's a, a Texas Tech baseball comeback. I don't remember who it was against, but it was a nine-run nine comeback. Oh, was that the uh, ACU one this year? It was the six-run comeback. That one was fun. With the you weren't, you weren't at the 2007 Insight Bowl. No, I watched that in the mall. At the, <laughs> I was working in the mall at a kiosk of Texas Tech merchandise. A guy stole a whole stack of sweatshirts that night, just off the kiosk. But I was That's watching brazen. it on, the, on TV at the Foot Locker, like three stands down. <laughs> <laughs> just completely abandoned my post. Well, you know, some things are more important than. Than the kiosk. <laughs> well, that was a nine-run comeback against TCU. That's right, with uh, Big Hen. So lots of take baseball comebacks. The twenty to sixteen game. Ooh, yeah. Ugh. Okay, number two. I'm not going to number all these. There's way too many to do that. Um, would you rather have your starting QB fail a final that's going to see him kicked out of school before the spring semester or have him fail concussion protocol before the Big 12 championship with a shot to make the playoff? I'd rather him fail a final because it doesn't matter if he's there in the spring. Yeah, I agree. Especially if it's Tyler Shuck. Just go full. <laughs> uh, who was it? Ben Simmons at LSU that didn't go to a single class and then went to the NBA draft and it didn't matter? Yeah, who who was it that said we ain't here to play school? That was Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew it was Ohio State. I just couldn't remember who it was. Yeah. All right. Uh, what is your name to uh, rebrand the new conference? Hey, we talked about that with the uh, TCU people. We did. Uh, I want to stay at the Big 12. I agree. I I like the brand recognition. I know it's not like this huge – brand yet but i do believe the big 12 with the historical presence can stay and be what the sec is be what the big 10 is and be right there with them if you change the name now unless it's the truck stop conference if you change the name now you're just you're that quirky you're the quirky conference down there that's brand new and do we really care if you're there Nah, not really yeah, don't don't tease me with the truck stop conference. That is pretty slick. <laughs> and then Utah joints. <laughs> Make a bask in it. Oh god, that would be amazing. All right. If the Big Twelve goes back to divisions, what names would you give the divisions? Would you go north south or get creative with it? What would you do? Uh legends and leaders. God, that's with been done already somewhere, hasn't it? I think that's, that's like been. I swear that was like a no, wooden would, bat league. I would go east and west. <laughs> yeah, I think east and west. This is a good one. What sports moments have made you the most mad and why? I was furious at the Dallas Cowboys final play of the season when they trotted out Ezekiel Elliott at center. <laughs> Just run a play. <laughs> I was screaming at the TV. Uh, the second down field goal, uh, Matt Wells, second down field goal. The Matt Wells, uh, lots of moments in the Matt Wells era. The Matt Wells onside kick when they just went up against Oklahoma State in Stillwater. 
the sky kick against Texas when you're up 13. Uh, we know how that ended. Both of those, yeah, how they yeah. ended. Uh, those those are some of them. I could name a bunch more in the Matt Wells era. I, I just immediately go to Kansas, which wasn't even Matt Wells' fault. Oh, my God. With Douglas but... Coleman. <laughs> That's, that's where I, it was like the inverse of the Nebraska game that oh. y'all had on in the background Sunday night. <laughs> that's what it was. It. <laughs> that did so, make me so mad. I could think of a million tech football moments. Yeah, there's there's too many to list, especially yeah. after the last decade. All right, those are some of them. That's a sicko question from Chris, though. We could we could do a whole you could do a whole podcast just on that. My blood pressure went up right then just thinking about him. What is the minimum dollar amount it would take the gauchos to forsake all ties to the Big Twelve and become the official voice of the pack? You know, this is probably a Kyle question. Yeah. Um I'm gonna tell you the number's five million dollars. It would it would be seven figures, I think. Oh yeah. I think you would have to. Five million. Both of you take two and a half. Shave Uncle Sam's forty percent off the top. You're still left with seven figs. Yeah. Go about your business, you know. I'm in. Okay. Oh God. The top three most devastating football losses. Uh, that Kansas loss. Colorado 06? Was when it 06 were, or 05? When they were awful. I'm trying. The that one was my in freshman Lubbock. year. The one in Lubbock. I'm just I'm trying to think back to my freshman year. It was either 06 or 05. I was there in person. Uh it was cold. It was rainy. Brutal loss. That was top top five for me. Um, Cowboys playoff. Did it say tech football or just football? Tech football. Oh, tech football. We got a lot of Cowboys ones too. I will say, Big Twelve line judge offered up a 2015 TCU. I would counter with 2013 TCU. 2014 you, or 2014 TCU, and then you just mentioned 2020 Texas. 2015 TCU with the tip drill was worse than the beatdown to me. Oh, was 2015 the tip drill? 2015 was a tip okay. drill. 2014 was the run out of fireworks game. Okay. You no, know, yeah, no, whatever. That's not a heartbreaker. You just <laughs> no. got your ass. You just got your ass. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, I could also go back to a couple of those Cliff Kingsbury Shimanek games. The pick six from Kansas State, was it? At the very end, oh, here's, oh God. A, here's a moment that made me mad against Kansas State. <laughs> he th- he threw the fourth down throw into the end zone or uh, out of the end zone. Out of the end zone, yeah, thinking it was third down. Oh, oh my God! All right, we got to stop. I'm not going to read any more of these like Captain. angry football because we could we could be here for two hours. Captain, throw away. Yeah. All right. Um, who made the bomb threat in the voicemail? I don't know, Mister Root. Who was that? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Can't say. Uh, Haley put in a Twitter poll here, but I barely know how to. I've never worked Discord on my laptop, so I'm not going to try to go to that. Um, what is? Well, this is for Kyle. So, 
What is Kyle's favorite TV show? I think we should both take a guess. Somebody put C-SPAN. <laughs> yes, somebody did put C-SPAN. I would say, I would say, rewatching old football games on YouTube is Kyle's favorite TV show. Kyle, yeah, like that's what he likes to do. But he's got a guilty pleasure somewhere in there. I'm not going to say it's like Golden Girls, but like maybe something like Seinfeld. Oh, I Family totally, Guy. Big hint yeah, there. Family Guy, something like that. The Guy fan. Yeah. Yeah, um, Mr. Root, uh, no, we're not going to read that. Okay, here's a good one. Uh, make the case for UConn as the 14th team over another pack school. Uh, over I, don't know, Utah, I don't know how you could. Over Utah, it's fairly easy. I hate Utah. But if it's Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, now we just have in the chat line uh, Kyle Jacobson TV shows. <laughs> Let's say Cougar Town, History Channel, Love Island, Ice Road Truckers, Gilmore Girls, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Last Man oh, Standing. No, Kyle is all about uh, the OC, like the original OC. Oh, dude. What you say? Yeah. <laughs> ancient Aliens. Ooh, Ancient hey. Aliens might be up there. I'll tell you something right now. There's some on Netflix, and I still like turn it on to fall asleep, like take a nap, you know, yeah. right around lunchtime. And it's great. It's great 45 minute nap. Oh, man. <laughs> you just wake up like thinking of aliens. Yep. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> make the case for UConn as the 14th team over a pack. So we hate Utah. Oh, I hate Utah. If it, if it was, if it was that, or. If it's Pac-12 in a year versus UConn now, I would also take that to get to 14. But if it looks like Arizona and Arizona State are now going to join, um, and I said this earlier, the dream scenario, Chuck, is Stanford somehow jumps Oregon to the Big Ten because or, because the Big Ten thinks they're getting Florida State and Clemson football brands. So academics. They, yeah, they, they go academics with the Pac-12 and get the two best academic schools left, uh, which I guess would be Washington and Stanford, or even Stanford and Cal. And then you get to drop Oregon to the Big 12. And if they're 14, there's no chance that uh, UConn is in the conversation anymore. No. Uh, but if Arizona and Arizona State are in, then Oregon would be 16. Dude, if you can get Oregon, I don't even care if it's a rental. Like, oh, me neither. That would that it's absolutely massive. Like, Huge. it is, and I don't. I don't think a lot of our fans appreciate. It. I didn't until like this all started a year ago, and like looked up brand values. Oregon's top ten. Like, it's insane yeah. what their brand value is. Like, I had no idea. Huge. Okay, uh, this question is for Roth. Who is Kyle's favorite pick? <laughs> you know, they don't act like it when they're around each other, but I'm going to say Maddie. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, Maddie too. Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, prescient question here. Uh, whose value is lower, the pack or Matt Campbell? Ooh. You got to normalize it, I guess, per school. Yeah. Uh, the Pac 12 as a whole. Uh, 
they've been down so long. I would say the Pac-12 is down lower because they're bleeding schools. Yeah. And I still yeah. think I still think Iowa State is holding strong. Well, that and the Pac-12 may not exist in a year, whereas, you know, knows a rival and everything, but Lord willing, Matt Campbell's still with us, even if he's not the head coach of Iowa State. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, another question for Rob. What is your all-time favorite Texas Tech football team? Uh, 2003. Who was who at the helm that year? Was that a... BJ. BJ? Okay, that's what... That yeah. was just a fun-ass team. <laughs> they were, God, just melting scoreboards, man. Yeah. Who knew what was going to happen? Them. BJ was throwing seven, eight touchdowns. God, why, why didn't we have online gambling? <laughs> I do love BJ. <laughs> that would have been so awesome. Oh, yeah. Always All right. Remember. Always, always. If you could attend any sporting event in the world, what would it be? Depending who's in it, the Super Bowl. Um, if it was the Texas Tech entrant, the college football playoff. Saying it in the world, though, nah, it'd probably still be the, probably still be the Super Bowl. I'm not a big soccer guy, as you know. I know you are, but you honestly, I would still almost say, like, let me, let me see Tech in a national championship. I was had my wife not been eight months pregnant when we were in Minneapolis, I would have been there. Yeah, but I just couldn't. I couldn't swing that. So I, I would. The World Cup is high up there for me for sure, but then also, you know average listeners of this podcast would say some call it more obscure. Uh, I would love to go to Wimbledon. I would love to go to the French open. Both of those, like go spend a month in Europe, catch the tail end of the French first week of Wimbledon, two weeks in between three weeks in between. That would be amazing. I just need like 30 grand to do it. So I'm going to start that crowdsourcing when we, when we shut this one down. (laughs) All right. Uh, Question for Rob. What is your all time favorite moment in your life so far? What? <laughs> uh, this is because I made a joke about always asking Kyle the questions. <laughs> uh, favorite moment in my life so far: uh, winning, winning state in uh, duet acting. That's awesome! Getting to know the Gauchos. There you go, duet actor. That's, that's legit. The comedy duo. We're gonna get you to do that bit one day. I'll have to get Jacob Rangel on board. <laughs> Question for Rob. What is your all-time favorite moment of Kyle's life so far? <laughs> uh, when he DM'd me about starting the gambling gauchos. Yeah, I think you gotta got to agree with that one. How excited are you guys to stay up until 3 a.m. for a two-hour gauchos after dark after Kansas and Arizona ends at 1 a.m.? Not excited. Kyle, Kyle's much more into the Gauchos After Dark than I am. I, I don't know how. He's got a baby. Like He loves it. He's got a kid. Like Yeah. Sabine must just be great to him and let him sleep in, because I'm the one that gets up in the morning <laughs> on the weekends with the kids. <laughs> I mean, y'all see my posts at 3 a.m. sometimes. Yeah. 
Okay, what uh, song and or artist currently lives rent free in your head? Um, what song or artist? I'm a jingle guy. Uh, a lot of jingles get stuck in my head. I made a Burger King joke the other day, and it the Whopper song's been stuck in my head lately. God, what an advertising campaign that was, dude! So good. <laughs> And every once in a while, it would pop like somebody would comment on Twitter, but it wouldn't be Whopper. It would be something else, but they yeah. were doing it to the Whopper jingle. It just yeah. brings it all back. Did you see Did you see? they went back and pulled a clip from the DeMar Hamlin debacle? The Bills, the Bills game, the Bills player that almost died on the field? Yeah, no, what did they, what did they do? So Joe cool. Buck is like almost in tears. Yeah. Throwing it to break. Just a brutal. <laughs> no idea what's going on with Demar Hamlin on the field. He throws it to break, and then canceling <laughs> the game. It throws the break. Whopper, 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 whopper. Oh god, that's so bad. Somebody pulled the clip. Oh, that is so terrible. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, this is a good one from Root. Is the Pac-12 dead before the first game of the season? I think there's a date. What is it? Um, a date in August. I'm going to say yes, because I think the Arizona schools will jump. First game is August 26th. Well, and yeah. you know what? You, you know what? Let me say this. The Pac-12 name is not going to die. No. No. If it's if it's Stanford and a bunch of Mountain West schools, they'll still call it the Pac-12. Yeah, no, why wouldn't you? Is it is it going to be the Pac-12 that we knew or no? No, but I still think the Pac-12 name will live on with whoever's in the Pac-12. Well, it'll be like the Big East, you know. Yeah. That's that's what it'll be. It won't go anywhere. They're not going to fold the Pac-12. Root was just on a sticko run today. Start bench cut. Billy Gibbons, Dusty Hill, Frank Beard. What is that? Uh, ZZ Top? Yeah. Uh, so Beard's the one without the beard? I think so. I'm at uh... start. I'll start Gibbons and uh, cut Beard. Said hi to Billy Gibbons in a oh, yeah. yard house in Memorial in Houston one evening. Yeah. He was. That sounds fun. I mean, like, as much as a, a guy with a beard that long can sneak into a, you know, a oversized chilies on steroids yeah to the to-go counter i saw him i said hi mr gibbons he said hey i mean i was like five six beers deep so he just kind of yeah. yeah he didn't really pay me any mind but that's <laughs> one of the more famous people i've ever interacted with um top, easy top. <laughs> yeah <laughs> top five best texas bands across all genres i have no idea i don't know if i could power rank them all but uh let me see if I can choose here. I would say uh, Pantera, pretty high up on my list. Bowling for Soup. And this is only because of bands. Like, if you just asked artists, Mariah Carey's on that list. Selena's on that list. Oh, yeah. Um, You've done that before. I would, I would put Drowning ZZ Top Pole. on that. I didn't know Drowning Pole was from Texas. Fastball. Do you know, do you know a song yeah. from Fastball? God. Well, like, dude, you and I are the same age. I used to fall asleep with just, like, Power 103 and Abilene going... And they're one hit wonder. Yeah. Like if I heard like the opening two notes, it would just come right back to me. It's the, uh, the way. 
Yes. That, yeah. Without ever knowing, ever knowing the way. Explosions in the sky. Explosions in the sky. The um. Oh, what's that movie? Football movie. Texas football movie. Friday Night Lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do the Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. I thought I recognized them. I would put Whiskey Myers pretty high on that list for like a full-on Texas yeah. band. Yeah, and they're and they're all from like Palestine and cousins and stuff. Yeah, and of course you have uh, Flatland and no, oh, yeah, all those guys, the like butthole we, surfers, the butthole surfers. They're from Texas. <laughs> There's, they were like, we don't even need to have a hit. We just need to have a name, and then the hits will come to us. Yeah. <sighs> Root was very uh, musical today. Are guitar solos generally overrated? Uh, on records, yes. Live, no. Agreed, completely. Except, uh, except the guitar solo in uh, George Strait is in a band. I just went blank on the metallic guitar guitar solo. Like I can hear it in my head, and I just went blank. Any, whatever, that's fine. Um, Root linked a tweet. God, this dude didn't do damn thing at work today. What are your thoughts on this tweet from the Reddit CFB account, which I'm pretty sure is run by somebody in the hateful eight, as much oh. as they dunk on yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. else. My my, th- you can read the tweet, but my thought is, did I write that tweet? <laughs> with the potential for some shakeups in the ACC, yeah. does it make more sense for the Big 12 to stop at 14? Utah and Arizona State are okay, but the second tier of the ACC without the SEC and Big Big 10 are more attractive. I agree with that tweet, personally. If it was just Arizona or just Oregon and then you wait on NC State and the boys and the ACC, I would be completely fine with that. Yeah. But you don't know how it's going to end up because I honestly think – you know, like I'm sure the Big 12 presidents have their power rankings of teams that they want from the pack. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, like you do have that responsibility. I, I get the argument that other people are making that like you you strengthen as much as you can now. I don't disagree with that either. Right. <sighs> Question for Rob. Should Utah fans be punished? Yes. <laughs> agree wholeheartedly. Yes, Kyle, they should be punished Kyle. by staying in the Mountain West Pac-12 Conference. <laughs> this one is from your personal favorite Picador uh, and yours truly. If you were a student athlete and degenerate gambler, what alias would you use? Um, let's see. I've been re-watching Psych. They have a lot of uh, good aliases there for Gus. Um. <laughs> If you remember Psych. It's not a handful of episodes. I might go with... uh, I know a guy named Tim McGraw. Like an actual person named Tim McGraw? not Tim McGraw, yeah. Okay. (laughs) He booked a hotel room once under the name Tim McGraw because his name is Tim McGraw. And they put it on the marquee out front that Tim McGraw was... Wait, okay, hang on. on. How small was this town? Yeah, pretty small West Texas town. Like Tim McGraw's coming. What? Yeah. I was thinking of that and I was like, I don't know what I would use because you guys know pretty much all of my aliases. I think the only other one y'all don't know is uh, 
that also involves a donkey. It's Spanish War Donkey. That was a uh, another just online name that I've had. <laughs> Donkeys uh-huh. are just they're kind of my favorite animal. So Ron Mexico, Ron Mexico, uh, Carlos Danger. Which if you remember the Anthony Weiner scandal, the New York congressman. Yeah. Also, also always loved uh, Joey Freshwater. That one. Well, I just love Lane Kiffin. He's a jerk, but yeah. I Joey love Freshwater's him. a pretty pretty great name. <laughs> Uh, question for Ross. Yeah. Say it again. Sorry, psych reference here. (laughs) Question for Rob. Who is your favorite co-host, Kyle or Carson? No win there. (laughs) Uh, Kyle is my favorite gambling gauchos co-host. But now we have two. Now we have two here. Carson's my favorite Rob Rocho co-host, though. I will say the Rob Bro Show has had uh, more co-hosts, but in this iteration, Carson's the only one so far. Ouch for Chuck. <laughs> I can't. I can't even see what you guys are saying right now. Let's get a full. Uh, let's get a full episode in before we say Chuck's a, a co-host. Yeah, like, hang on. I don't know if I should read this one, so I'm going to abstain. Wait, wait. hold on. Go ahead on the next one. I'll try to Go find ahead. it. Well, on the on the next one after it. Okay, uh, Rob. Question for Rob: If you could replace Kyle with one of your picadors as a co-host, who would it be? Well, I think that question's been answered. Root, suck it. It would be Chuck. It was at seven twenty-four p.m. Oh, you can ask that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll okay. talk about it. All right. I didn't. I didn't know what if any relationship y'all had with them was, so I didn't want to put you in any hot water. Um. Do I'll you be, have any comments? Uh, tactful. Okay. Do you have any comments, thoughts that you would like to share about the tweets we've seen today by representatives of Level Thirteen regarding an early season tournament that basketball is in? And another person would also like to hear from Kyle on this. Yeah, I think we can uh, get back into this. Maybe if Kyle wants to on the next mailbag, I'll I'll uh, not delete this comment from the mailbag. I'll I'll let him answer it. But my thought here is this guy is like loosely involved he's not a part of level 13 so i don't think level 13 was doing any uh negligence here they also made him delete the tweet so good on level it was deleted quickly i saw it like quickly it was deleted like three minutes after it was tweeted (laughs) it was just a dumb tweet though because regardless of your thoughts on a program and regardless of your involvement with the program in years past and maybe different levels of involvement in years future, um, it's always good for a program to be at a level like that. Even if you don't think they're going to be good, if you think they're going to be dog water, even if you think they're going to be awful, it's good for your player who is under your regime there at level 13 to be in a tournament like that. So to have a representative say that was kind of jarring. Um, but again, it was deleted quickly and I think they are uh, sending sending him to some training maybe <laughs> on uh, what not to what not to do when there's cactuses in a Twitter bio that you're arguing with. Yeah. Play stupid games, right, Rob? Yep. 
Okay. Um, and the last one, which is really too easy, it's just a meme and it says eliminate one place. I'm going to tell you to eliminate three places. Okay. Uh, Chipotle, McDonald's, Burger King, Chick-fil-A, Taco Bell, Subway, Starbucks, KFC, and Domino's. Okay, I, I would eliminate like I would eliminate KFC, Chipotle, 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 correct. and McDonald's. McDonald's is pretty spare in the burger game, personally. Yeah. Um, KFC, I'd rather have Popeyes. Yeah. Uh, Chick-fil-A, my wife just ruined it for me with our first kid because it's like right by our house and we had it like four days a week. Um, Subway's also pretty spare. I would probably just, uh, ironically enough, I, I would t- I would keep the four corners of this meme. Chipotle, Burger King, Domino's, and Starbucks. <laughs> I'd only keep Starbucks I, because I walk over there to work in the morning because I just need to get outside and walk. I do say McDonald's breakfast is very good, but... Their I breakfast is... Yeah, I could go without their breakfast, but their breakfast is pretty solid. I'm a big make-my-own-breakfast guy. Made a made some French toast. Had a breakfast burrito today. Oh, nice. For dinner. Brenner. I do love French toast. All right, we want to welcome on a brand new sponsor to the podcast today, Reckham Outdoors. Reckham Outdoors. You can find them on Instagram at Reckham Outdoors Fishing. Uh, their Instagram is incredible. If you like fishing pictures, uh, the open water, or even fish on hooks, this is the best Instagram you can follow. It's the best Instagram content for fishing. Uh, water videos out on the boat. They uh, wade fish in Electric Baffin Bay. Uh, if you want to learn more or go out and angle some fishes, uh, you can learn more at RecomOutdoors.com. We'll tell you more about them in some future episodes. Uh, but Captain Preston, thank you for joining us. Uh, again, Reckham Outdoors. Follow them on Instagram, Reckham Outdoors Fishing. Uh, again, incredible. If you like pictures of fish, that's the place to be there on the Instagram. Um, just pretty blue water and fishes on hooks. Huge, huge fish. Uh, go find out what you can catch. Some of them, like, they're holding them up outside the water. They're wading into the water, and the tails are touching the water. They're that big. There's a beefy one right here. Wow, that is a huge fish. Uh, go follow them. Reckham Outdoors. You can also follow, find out more at reckhamoutdoors.com. Real quick, that one that I skipped, it is actually, I, I realize what it is now. I thought it was like a Twitter quiz, like in Twitter, but it's actually, this is fun. It won't take you long. Okay. Um, eight Power Five schools do not have a city or state in their name. You've got one in the ACC, two in the Big 12, three in the Big 10, one in the Pack, one in the SEC. People telling me to calm down about the fish. I can't. I will not. They're great. They're, will they're, not great, they're great fish. Okay, uh, Duke. Do you have the Duke? answer? Okay. Duke. Well, somebody's commented them, and I think they're correct. Okay. So, uh, BYU, Baylor in the Big Twelve. Correct. What were the other the Big Ten? You got three in the Big Ten. Uh, Rutgers. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Northwestern. Yep. And there's another in the ACC. It's it's near Northwestern in the no. There's another in the Big Ten. Another in the Big Ten. Um, near Northwestern. Yeah, ish. In in the realm of the Big Ten, they're fairly close. Um, actually, pretty close. Drew Brees. Uh, Purdue. Purdue. SEC and Pac-12. Another ACC? SEC. SEC. Uh, Vanderbilt? Correct. Now, where's the Pac? Uh, now, there's some... I saw Stanford. Stanford is a city, I believe. Stanford is a incorporated... But is it incorporated? Yeah, I yeah. think I saw something. Somebody say something about that. All right. Uh, so it's not it, Stanford. It's not Stanford. Uh, Oregon State. Who is it? Washington State. Oregon. Utah. UCLA. It's Los Angeles. Yeah. What's well, California and Los Angeles? USC, California. Southern Cal, Cal Berkeley. This is a lying question. It's got to be Stanford. It ha- yeah, it has to be Stanford. Stanford isn't a city, it's a census area. <laughs> what? Oh, who's pedantic and said that? Well, there's answers all over the place. Now, bonking, now they're bonking me over the uh, the fish. I, I, I will not apologize for liking big fish. Don't apologize for the big fish. I think the consensus is, this one has the most likes on Twitter anyway, Duke, Baylor, BYU, Northwestern, Rutgers, Purdue, Stanford, and Vandy. There you go. We did it. We did it, brother. Appreciate it. That was fun, man. Yeah, thank you. You bet. You'll have a good night. uh, It'll be seamless. All right. Thanks, Chuck. (laughs) Later. Love y'all.